We're coming today to the end of our series on 1 Thessalonians, and we're going to be looking at verses particularly 23, but through to 28. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 23. May God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit, soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. The one who calls you is faithful and he will do it. Brothers and sisters, pray for us. Greet all God's people with a holy kiss. I charge you before the Lord to have this letter written to all the brothers and sisters. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Let's just pray. Father, we do thank you for the opportunity to come into your presence this morning to worship you, to join with your people around the world, to join with angels in heaven, worshipping the living God. Now as we look at your word, we ask you, come and speak to us, Holy Spirit. Come bring instruction, come bring faith. Come and bring a, a microphone that doesn't fall off me ear. Toby is smiling at me. <laughs> Father, thank you. Amen. So as we've gone through um, this book of this letter that Paul and Timothy and Silas wrote, we've seen a church built on the word of God and the work of the Holy Spirit. We've seen a people that have been encouraged to live holy lives worked out in their lives together. We've seen a church that knows what it is to have signs and wonders. And today, Paul sends, so sums up his letter. May God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Before we look at these verses, <coughs> we need to look at two words which I can never spell correctly first time. The first one is justification. There's the three kings. Give them a round of applause for those that can see them. The first word is justification, and the second word is sanctification. And if you don't understand the difference between these two words, the danger is that you would leave this morning thinking, I'm not good enough to be a follower of Jesus, if you don't understand the difference between those two words. And so, justification, say the word with me, justification, justification. Right, that talks about your legal standing as a follower of Jesus, that you are pure and holy and acceptable. You've been forgiven, you've been cleansed, you've been washed, and that is settled once and for all. It's done. Okay? That's done. So it's legal standing. I once had to represent an asylum seeker at his <coughs> final appeal. Um, he was a member of our church, and uh, we went to this final appeal. And before the appeal, you've got, you've got him, you've got me, you've got the barrister, and you've got a couple of policemen over there who sort of, depending on the outcome of this appeal, depended on what they would do. 
So it's quite a nerve-wracking time because you didn't know. This was the final time. We've been through a number of court cases. We're there and we're in the court and we've been asked lots of questions and uh, finally the judge makes his decision. And because it was a final court, he made the decision on the day. And you just, which way is this going to go? If it's, no, you've failed, the police come and take him away to a camp. If it's passed, they come and shake his hands and say, welcome to Britain. You're now a British citizen. And the judge is there. You're there. He says, I accept your appeal. You are now a British citizen. And it's changed. And the police can no longer touch him. They can come and shake his hand and say, welcome to Britain. It's done and dusted. Nothing can change it. And that's what justification is about. It's one-off and it's permanent. And it is all God's work. You have done nothing to justify yourself before God. I have done nothing. It's not about who we were born to, what nation we lived in. It's not about the, whether we've been good or whether we've been bad, whether we've been naughty or whether we've been nice. It's not about who our parents are. It's not about what church we've been to or not been to. It's about coming to God in repentance and faith and saying, please forgive me. And he says, I will, because of what Jesus has done. It's one-off, it's permanent, and it's all of God. And you become perfect. And it is the same for all Christians. Dami, come and stand here. Come and stand here. Hannah, come and stand here. Can stand shoulder to shoulder. Shoulder to shoulder. This way round. No, that's it. That way. Facing that way. Facing that wall. <laughs> so I want to imagine, I want you to imagine that that is you. Okay? And one day, and many of you will remember this day, you decided to become a follower of Jesus. Take one step forward, both of you. You went from death to life. Now, no illustration is perfect, so don't think this is so theologically correct, but it is. Dami, come with me. Dami is now in glory. He's clothed in righteous robes. He's before the throne of God. He's there forever now, once and for all. He's there. In with the face of God. There's no more crying, no more tears, no more sorrow. He's there. But he's also still on earth because he hasn't died. Now, that is justification. This next bit is sanctification. Now, sanctification, I have to have a look, make sure I get everything in is about growing into what you've become in heaven. It's about growing into the likeness of Jesus. It's about cooperating with God. God doesn't do all of this. We have to cooperate. It is about not being complete, but walking towards becoming what you are and 
Whereas that is the same for every Christian, sanctification is different for different Christians. We're actually at different levels. So Hannah, now you've got to walk the Christian life. Now your sanctification probably goes straight line, straight to there. Mine was, is a little bit more curvy, that's right. And sometimes it doubles back on itself because you're not quite sure that God is right in what you're doing. But you're walking to that point until you die and you, you become what you are. Do you understand the difference? Right, thank you very much. Give them a round of applause. <clears throat> and it's so important that we understand that difference because the verse today was the God of peace will sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit, soul and body be kept blameless. And so today we are talking about sanctification, not justification. And that's why I say if you muddle those two up, you could leave today thinking, oh, I'm not good enough to be a follower of Jesus. Well, you're not anyway, but the reason you're not is because you're seated here in heavenly places, pure and holy in God. He's made you that. Have you got that? Yes. Good. Excellent. So, <clears throat> Paul writes, as we have read several times already, May he sanctify you through and through. May your whole soul and body be kept blameless. Now, Paul is not arguing here that we have a body, soul, and spirit. That's not the point. The point is the through and through. He wants the whole of us to know what it is to be sanctified. So sanctified, he's looking at our intellect, our minds. Romans 12 talks about renewing our minds. See, we are seated in heavenly places, but we've picked up an awful lot of junk in our lives. And it's ungodly thinking. It's unhelpful thinking. Some of it, we just have to learn what God is thinking. And so we changed. This nativity on the 19th is going to be brilliant and all-encompassing. <laughs> it's about renewing our emotions. 2 Timothy 3.3, 3, 2 Peter 1.6 talks about exercising self-control. Now, again, sanctification is different. I... I'm not an overly emotional person. Um, it takes a lot to, to skew me um, emotionally. Other people are far more emotional. And sometimes, to be honest, it can look like I'm a much more holy person than I really am because I don't get cross about a lot of things. Whereas someone who gets cross about a lot of things and is much more emotional can sometimes feel like, oh, I wonder if they're a Christian even. But it's just we're made differently. And that's why I say sanctification is different for different people. So some people have to, ha have to learn self-control of their emotions in terms of controlling them. Not getting cross with the driver that cuts you up. Not getting annoyed at what's on the sort of uh, when someone doesn't say hello to you. Others of us 
have had to learn to become more emotional. Because, I don't know quite why, but so many of my emotions were locked up. It's partly to do with my mother dying with, when I was 14 and lots of sort of issues in the family. But some of us have got to learn to become more emotional. Some of us have got to learn to control our emotions. But sanctification affects our minds, our emotions. It affects our will, how we choose to do things. And so as we walk towards becoming more like Jesus, we should be thinking more like Jesus, feeling more like Jesus, choosing to do things more like Jesus. So when I first became a Christian, um, <coughs> I, had, I had to choose. One of the first choices I made um, was actually, I don't think that Jesus enjoys the fact that I get drunk a lot. So <laughs> I made a choice. I wasn't going to stop drinking, but I would choose to only drink to a certain level. And that was my first choice. A little bit later, God brought to me, yeah, you need to cut back your choice a little bit more, and you need to drink a little bit less. Then strangely, I stopped drinking altogether. And uh, when Leslie and I were going out, we had our first big argument one Sunday evening, I think it was. We'd gone to visit her parents, and uh, <coughs> we're walking down a lovely country lane. Um, we're out in the countryside, and uh, we just we come near to a pub eventually. And she said, "Do you know I could really do with a gin and tonic?" I was like, "But you've been a Christian a lot longer than me. How can you possibly want a gin and tonic? Don't you know that Christians don't drink like me?" And actually, I had to learn again that actually I had freedom to drink. I'd become a legalist in not drinking. Now, that was partly because if I passed the pub, well, there's the smell of it, the sort of smoky, alcohol, drinky type. You'd sort of be walking past and you could sort of see yourself. Oh, no, this way. <coughs> and so... Even, in my, even in, with alcohol, I've, I've had to grow in sanctification. Jesus drank wine. Some choose to, some choose not to. But it's also about our physical bodies, what we do with them. 2 Corinthians 7.1. I shall read this one. says this, Paul has just gone through a whole load of promises that we have as Christians received. Therefore, since we have these promises, dear friends, let us purify ourselves from everything that contaminates body and spirit, perfecting holiness out of reverence for God. Perfecting holiness. So sanctification involves our intellect, our emotions, our will, and what we do with our bodies. Now, this is important because sometimes we can think of ourselves as Christians and we, we sort of box ourselves from the rest of life. 
We're okay as long as we go to church on Sunday. We're okay as long as we pray. We're okay as long as we read our Bible. But actually, what I watch on telly, what I do with my body, how I, how I control my mind, how I control my emotions, that, that doesn't matter so much because as long as I'm being spiritual, I'm being all right. And some people need to control their emotions a lot more. Some people need to control their minds a lot more. Some people need to control what's, what they do with their bodies more. Some people need to, chew, need to control what they choose more. And that's why we all look different in our process of sanctification. Because there are some things that, as I say, <coughs> because of my personality, I can sometimes look very sanctified. <laughs> but you've no idea what's going on in my head. You've no idea what I'm thinking. You've no idea what I, <coughs> I, was say, what, what I do outside when you can't see me. But it's mostly good, okay? <laughs> I don't want to send your mind down a rabbit hole of what I might be doing. No, it is mostly good. I, I am trying. And, and I'm becoming more like Jesus day by day. But I'm very aware that sometimes my personality is such that I can look very sanctified because I'm a very nice person, don't like conflict. I've never in my life hardly ever sworn. Sugar is about the harshest word I've ever said. Just when something goes wrong, oh, sugar. I don't know why that is. It's just, but there you go. So sanctification affects intellect, emotions, will, and physical body. It's also about cooperating with God. He trains his disciples. He <coughs> disciplines his disciples because he knows what we are going to be in heaven. The glorious, totally sin-free, perfect, wonderful human beings that we should have been. And he wants us in this life to move from here to here in as straight a line as possible. But as Hannah so ably demonstrated, you know, there are some things that you hit with God. And you think, hey, on God, I'm not sure you're right about this. I'm just going to go back here a little bit. And you start walking this way and something happens and, you can br and God brings you back here. He says, now, okay, I've got to change. He, he lets, he gives us the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, and self-control. Those are fruits that can grow within us. We planted two years, two years ago now, um, two apple trees, plum tree, and a damson tree. That's right. And this year, we had apples. And you can imagine the sense of success of this apple tree. It's only about this high, and it's only about this wide. It's like, I've produced apples. I am a great tree. I've done it. They are now enjoying blackberries, picked from the side of the road, and apples, which I have grown. Aren't I a wonderful... Excuse me, you're cutting off my branches. <laughs> 
I produced apples for you, and now you are cutting off my branches. That branch produced apples, and you've cut it off. And that branch produced apples, and you've cut that off. Excuse me, you are cutting me down. And it's about pruning. And we go through that pruning. And it's how we respond to it. Sometimes we're, we feel that we're doing very well in an area. And God will suddenly make hard, it hard and difficult for us. And he's cutting us back, pruning us for greater fruitfulness. And how we respond is important. So he gives us the fruit of the Spirit. John 14 talks about God pruning us. In 2 Corinthians 3.18, he says we are changed from one degree of glory to another. And in Philippians 2.13, it says, it is God who is, he, who is at work within you. So God is involved in our sanctification. But we have to work at it too. We cooperate with God. How we respond to his discipline is important. We can get cross with him. We kind of get annoyed with him. <clears throat> I had a conversation in my head this week which went like this. God, why is Leslie so grumpy? Which I thought was a reasonable question at the time. And he said to me, because you're snapping at her. <laughs> and so my immediate response to that is, what? And he said quite clearly, you are snapping at her. So I said, okay, why am I snapping at her? And he came back. Because life is not working out as you wanted it. It had to do with our building work, inevitably. <coughs> our builders hadn't turned up, and uh, they hadn't told us why. And uh, we found out the following day it was because the house opposite where they were working had been petrol bombed, and the police cordoned off the street, and they were kept there till 3 o'clock in the morning. So they had a good excuse in the end. But anyway, so it's like... Ah, so life's not working out for me. I have a God who can solve that. Bung it back to God. So if I just ask you to sort this out for me, I can stop snapping at Leslie. Leslie can become less grumpy. To which he said, how about you learn not to snap at Leslie because life's not working out for you? Um, I don't know whether you ever have these conversations with God. My immediate response was, yeah, that's good, but how about you sort out my life and make it run smoothly, and then I won't need to snap. And we sort of went in this little circle where I kept coming back to God, why don't you sort it out? And he was like, no, you sort you out. And in the end, unsurprisingly, God won. <laughs> And I had to say to Leslie, look, we're, I'm just snapping at you. We're, we're snapping at one another. We're, we're just fed up with what's going on at the moment. And uh, Leslie, with far more grace than me, agreed. And we moved on. And since that day, 
I'd love to say I'd never snapped at her in my life. <laughs> Romans 6, 12 to 13 says, do not let sin reign in your bodies. We have a choice. We have a choice. Philippians 2, 12 to 13 says, work out your own salvation. Work it out. You put in the effort. God is there with us. He's helping us. He's moving us from one degree of glory to another. But we're having to take the steps to become what we are. Galatians 5 talks about walk by the Spirit of God and you will not fulfill the desires of the flesh the desires that are wrong, the desires that are away from God. If we, if, we, if we draw on the Holy Spirit, if we just reach out to hold his hand, let him lead us, let him speak to us, if we respond positively to what he's saying, we'll find that we're walking more and more as Jesus would want us to. 2 Peter 1.5 says, make every effort. It's not easy. It's tough, as we all know. Philippians 3.13-14 says, forgetting what's behind, I make every effort. And you know, that's an important one, forgetting. Because we make mistakes, we get things wrong. We have arguments, we watch the wrong films, we... Um, say the wrong thing we hurt people badly and when God speaks to us and we bring those things to him and we ask for him his forgiveness and he forgives us we're clean and pure but sometimes in our heads we spin round and round and round in them and we we f we remember the things that God doesn't we feel we're not good enough we feel that we, we failed once again. And Paul said, look, this is today. This is where I am today. I'm going to forget that and I'm going to look forward. I'm forget, going to forget what I was because I know what I'm going to be. And that's what I'm going to aim for. That's what I'm going to make every effort to be. That's what I'm going to try and become. Because the past has gone. The future is bright. But you know, you don't do this on your own. Peter, 1 Peter talks about, or Peter talks about becoming a holy people. In Ephesians 4 verse 1, Paul writes this. He's a prisoner at the time. As a prisoner for the Lord, then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle, be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body, one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all, through all and in all. It's Ephesians 4, 1 to 6. And we tend to read those first few lines, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received, be completely humble and gentle, patient, bearing with one another in love. 
as individual. But it's about being a people together. He's writing to the church and he's urging the church to live a life worthily of the calling that we've, been, we've received. He's urging the church that together we should be completely humble and gentle and patient. He's urging the church to bear with one another in love. He's urging the church, individuals in it and the church as a whole, to make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace. We are called to be the people of God. It's why being together is so important. It's where we work out our sanctification. And there's part of me that would urge us not to try to be more nice when we're together than we are when we're apart. Because the more that we are transparent with one another, the more that we can rub the the rough edges off one another. The more that we can be honest about who we are, the more we'll find it easier to become who we are. But sometimes, we were having a discussion in the week about one of the things that we used to run a a Christian school and it had a, a particular syllabus and part of this syllabus there was a boy called Ace that's right Ace it was a young boy called Ace and uh, occasionally you'd hear about Ace's life and one Sunday morning Ace got up and he was really really grumpy because Ace wanted to wear his trainers but he knew he had to go and polish his black shoes because they were going to church. And you wore polished black shoes when you went to church. You didn't wear trainers. I don't think that's a round of applause for that. (laughs) And this was a picture, really, of Ace coming to church with a front. And what we want is coming to church as people, transparent together. It's that way we can all celebrate and worship together. We can recognize that we're at different places in our sanctification. You know, I might be here in my thinking, you might be here in your thinking. You might be here in the way that you control your body, I might be here in the way that I control my body. We'll all be in different places, but we are all fundamentally in the same place in heaven, seated next to Christ. And he is working out individually our route to there. And together, we can be transparent. Together, we can help one another in our sanctification and our growth towards God. It finishes the letter with the one who calls you is faithful. He will do it. He's going to hold on to us. I've made big mistakes in my Christian life. I once, <coughs> one of the very early days, I went with, a, uh, with my pastor and we went to a, a lady and I was just learning how to prophesy. She was very ill and we prayed for her 
and I prayed for her and uh, I just, you know, I began to prophesy over, over her and the uh, first bit was right. Then just towards the end I said, and, and God will cause you to live and be healed. Two days later she died. <laughs> that was a mistake. It's not one that God holds me for because I've been to him and sorted it out. But I learned a lot. I learned that you can make mistakes in prophecy. I learned that you don't get struck down by God for them. I learned you could repent, turn around and walk on. And there are lots of things that we've all done which probably we regret. But once they've gone to God, you can turn around, forget, walk on. Because God is determined that we will reach what we are. He will do it. Paul goes on, brothers and sisters, pray for us. Greet all God's people with a holy kiss. <clears throat> you can make what you want of that one, particularly in the present situations. I would advise against it at the present time. I charge you before the Lord to have this letter read to all the brothers and sisters. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. I hope you've enjoyed looking at this letter of 1 Thessalonians. I hope that many of you will have taken the time just to read the letter. It takes about 15 minutes. And to let it sink in that as we as a church go forward, we want to be a church full of the word of God, full of the spirit of God. We want to be family together, living our lives together, in enabling, encouraging and provoking one another onto greater and greater purity. A church that sees signs and wonders. A church that speaks of the glory of God to the world in which we live. Let's pray. Father, we do thank you that we are seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. We thank you that you have done that for us. We thank you that we are here in this world to be your hands and feet. We thank you for the promise that you will see us through. And we ask you, Father, help us to grow in our knowledge of you and our representation of you. It might be more and more authentic. It might be more and more true to ourselves. And we might see one another growing daily into the image of Jesus. For your glory, Lord, do it. Amen. Amen.